So we're at the end of our series. This is the last one today, New Year's Revolution. Is that a cheer or is that a groan? I'm not sure what it was. Um, but actually, I do say, I hope you're all feeling really dissatisfied. I hope you all sat and yeah, I am so dissatisfied. Because that's the point, really. I want you to be thinking about your life, what's going on, about the areas that could be better, and thinking, yeah, I want them to be better. I'm dissatisfied with this. And that's where revolutions start, with dissatisfaction. Do you remember the, uh, the old Popeye cartoons? Uh, you know, and through the cartoon, it was only a short cartoon, each one. Uh, but, but Popeye would gradually get more and more beaten down. Brutus would, be, would, would run away with not Alice, uh, olive oil, and, and steal the baby and do all sorts of wrong things. And Popeye would get to the end of himself and he'd eventually he'd say, that's all I can stand, can't stands no more. I don't know if you remember that. That was quite a good impression, right? Yeah. And he'd say, he'd say, that's all I can stand. I hope that's where you're at. I hope that you look at some of the areas of our life, of your individual life, of our church's life, of the global church's life, and you think, that's all I can stand. I think we can do better than this. I want to have a revolution because I think we can go further. I think God's got better stuff for us. I hope you're all like Popeye. <laughs> and hopefully... <laughs> Over the yeah, get your spinach out. I hope you've got your spinach out. <laughs> um, I hope you've been inspired to go deeper in your worship, to get more disciplined in, in your daily Bible readings, to get closer to God. Uh, what Fru talked about last week, getting closer to the presence of God, uh, having a greater desire for Him. I hope you've uh, kind of opened up your hearts and your, your homes and your doors to one another a little bit more, and we're going to continue that. Um, I hope you're starting to understand the biblical truth of statements like, you are a new creation. And also biblical truths like, he who began this good work in you wants to complete it. He's going to complete it. And he's going to work in you until it's done, until the day of Christ Jesus. I hope we're starting to take these things on board and we're starting to embody uh, these truths. But the question I want to look at today as we bring this series to an end is, quite an important question, how... Do I keep the revolution going? Because it's dead easy to start a resolution or a revolution. It's easy to get to that point where you begin something, but it's a lot harder to keep it going. We all know that starting resolutions at the beginning of the year is not the problem. It's, it's keeping it going through the months and years, and in terms of this case, for the rest of our lives. I just wonder, has anybody here ever done a marathon? Kev, of course you have, mate. Has anybody here ever eaten a marathon? <laughs> Snickers bar, remember those, right? Mar yeah, me too. Uh, actually, I've never done a marathon. I did a fun run once, but I did it sponsored. No, it's an oxymoron, right? Fun and run, definitely not fun. But I did it dressed up as Postman Pat, and I had the full gear, and I even had a head, like a Postman Pat paper mache head that I wore. Bad, bad idea. And right at the start, I was at the starting line and I was kind of, yeah, here we go. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do this fun run. I'm kind of doing my stretch, stretching out. Had the Rocky theme going in my head. Looking around. Yeah, we're all going to do this. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. 200 yards down the road. I'm on my knees like, ah, ah, I can't breathe. 
I can't breathe. Whose idea was it to wear this stupid head thing? It was, I, never, I didn't practice with the head. I think somebody gave it to me on the day and said, wear this. It's a good idea. It wasn't a good idea. It was a bad idea. But we all know that starting these things, easy. Keeping going till the end. That's where the trick is. That's what we want to learn how to do. So that's what we're going to ask today. How do I keep the revolution going? The Apostle Paul, talking about the process that we've been talking about, getting, getting more and more like Jesus, he put it like this in his letter to the Philippian church. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus now this is the apostle Paul talking if anybody had it together it was him if anybody was as like Jesus as you're gonna get the apostle Paul he wrote like half of our new testament but he's saying no 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 I haven't got there I haven't got there I'm going to be doing this until God calls me heavenward. Until I'm in heaven. This is, this is, the, this is the journey I'm on. But the way I'm going to do this, I'm, going to, I'm not going to look at where I've come from. I'm not going to be uh, worrying about who I was. I'm going to look at who God is calling me to be. And I'm going to persevere. And I'm going to press on. And I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to have the eye of the tiger. And I'm going to keep going in order to get there. So how do we keep the revelation going? We've begun the process, and it's a process that's worth uh, persevering with. Today, we're going, to get, uh, we're going to get our wisdom from the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation chapter 2. Now, Revelation is not a book that we often kind of go into. It's, uh, it's an interesting book. It's not written by Paul. It's written by the Apostle John, uh, the disciple who he says Jesus loved. Um, and a lot of it is, is visions and imagery and talking about the theology of end times and the apocalypse and the end of the world and that. And it's all great. I, I would encourage you to read Revelation. Actually, it says at the beginning, there's a blessing if you read the book of Revelation. I think, you know, I would, I would encourage you to do that. But there's, there's two chapters near the beginning, chapters two and three, that are slightly different. You've got um, letters to churches. So this is God speaking through John to seven different churches and it's like he's giving them a, an assessment on how well these churches are doing it's like a, it's like a report this is what you're doing in your church and the one we're going to look at is the, is the letter to the church in Ephesus all right which is a, a, a church that Paul started um, and so verse, from verse one in chapter two it says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Now, most theologians believe that this word angel is the word messenger, and they think, oh, it's the leader of the church, the pastor of that church, if you like. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So already the imagery has started. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So, so far, so good. You're doing good. There's some good things happening in your church. But then he goes on, he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen repent and do the things you did at first if you do not repent I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place 
So these seven letters written by uh, John or God speaking through John, they are like, like reports, almost like school reports. And I was thinking about my own school. Remember getting school reports? No? Yeah, we all got school reports, right? There's reports that the teachers, who looked forward to bringing their school report home? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, Dan, everybody else hates you right now. Yeah, Queen, you look forward to it too. Great, yeah. There's a lot, lot of anger towards you guys. I'm feeling it. Okay, for me, I'm like most of you. I did not looking, look forward to getting school reports. At my school, there were two columns in the school report. They had attainment grades and they had effort grades. Now, attainment grades was kind of how well you're doing. For me, that was the important column. That's the column you should look at, mum and dad. For my parents, guess which one that they focused on? The effort grades. They were more, no, 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 the attainment, I want to know that you're putting in effort. And uh, I remember my, one of my maths reports reading something like this. Actually, I wrote it down because it was so interesting. It said, I'm bringing it home to my parents with trepidation. Adam achieved the highest mark in the year in his maths paper. And I'm like, great, stop there. Let's close that. Let's move on to the next subject. But they didn't. They carried on reading. And this is what my teacher, Mr. Westwood, had to ruin it. It's what he said. He said, despite this mark, Adam continues to show little effort in class or in homework and disrupts the class at every opportunity. (laughs) And I'm standing there going, I got the highest mark in the year. That's great. That's not easy to do, you know. And, and, but no, I got, in, I got in serious trouble. Report cards generally meant trouble for me. Now, here in this letter, it's a little bit like that. You've got all this good stuff that's going on and, and which God is commending them for. Good deeds, hard work, perseverance. You don't tolerate wicked people. You're unmasking false apostles. You're enduring hardship. You're not growing weary. All this great stuff, well done. Ephesus, keep going. But then it says, you have forsaken your first love. Look how far you've fallen. You were up here. Look how far you've come down. You need to repent for the things you're doing now and go back to what you were doing. And these letters, and this letter is great, not because we read it and think, oh, that's about that church, but because it's in the Bible to help us. This helps us. We read it and we think, okay, well, what can I take away from this. This is, this is truths that are as relevant to us now as it was to the first century Ephesian church. And the issues that they face, we face too. And I can honestly say that in my own kind of walk with God, there are times when it's not going as well as it could go. Where I find myself in a bit of a rut, a bit of a, a, bit of a dry place, a bit of a desert. A bit of a spiritual rut. Anybody else know what that's like? The truth is, I think, actually, we all have these. We don't talk about them much, but we all have them. And I was thinking about, well, if I was, if if, if God gave me a report spiritually, what would I like to be on that report? And of course, the first place I want to go is the Psalms, David, because he had such a great relationship with God. And I think, this is how I'd like my report to read. Kind of Adam rejoices in following your statutes. He rejoices as one rejoices in great riches. Adam meditates on your precepts and considers your ways. He delights in your decrees. He will not neglect your word. Or what about this? As the deer pants for streams of water, so Adam's soul pants for you. 
Adam's soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can he go and meet with God? Or what about this one? You, God, are Adam's God. He earnestly, he seeks you. He thirsts for you. My, his whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Adam has seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, his lips will glorify you. He will praise you as long as he lives. And in your name, he will lift up his hands. He will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, Adam's mouth will praise you. On his bed, he remembers you. He thinks of you through the watches of the night because you are his help. He sings in the shadow of your wings. He clings to you. Your right hand upholds Adam. That would be a great report, wouldn't it? That's what I'd like my report to read like. But fortunately, you look further in the Psalms and you see, actually, David had these moments too. Let's look at a couple. This is what David said. How long, Lord, will you forget, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? How many of us have ever used that expression? How long? Is this going to go on for, Lord? I want it to end. Another psalm. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Another psalm. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. David, he had the mountaintop thing going on, but he also had the valley experiences too, just like we all do. We go through times and seasons where our relationships, relationship with God doesn't feel like the way it used to or we feel like the way it should. Feel like we feel disconnected and we feel dry like God is a million miles away. And this is something that all Christians go through. Even if we don't talk about it, even if we don't want to admit it, we all go through these times and their seasons. And maybe there's some of you even thinking right now, yeah, that's where I am right now. I'm in that rut. Today, I'm in that rut. And I've been in that rut for a little bit of time. And I'm not sure how to get out of it. I can remember when it was great and God seemed close and fresh and I was getting fresh revelation and I'd open the scripture and I'd feel excitement and joy and connection to God but now I feel like I'm in a rut a spiritual rut and when we're in the, when we're in the spiritual rut it doesn't just affect our relationship with God it affects our relationship with others with our children with our with our husband or our wife with our parents with our friends with our work colleagues it affects everything because we're just not living the life that God wants us to live and and I guess today how do we keep the revelation going is we have to learn how to get out of those spiritual ruts. Because the first, um, actually let me just give you a, a dictionary definition of rut. This is from dictionary.com. It says there's a long, deep track made by the repeated passage of the wheels of vehicles. I went to Uganda uh, last October, probably, probably most of you remember, uh, on a mission trip. And, 
And there was one, it was the rainy season in October, a good time to go. Uh, but there was a point where we had to go up into the mountains to a village, the village that we, uh, at Kikabera, where we support the guys there. And we were driving up. We had a four-wheel drive car, but it had been raining, and then it had dried, and then it rained. And you know what happens when cars go on a, on a mud track? Uh, gradually, the, the ruts get harder, and then they get soft again, and they get hard again, and they get soft again, and they gradually get deeper and deeper. And it was raining as we were driving up this track. And, and we, we were trying to go fast and trying to avoid the ruts, but we kept slipping into the ruts, and then we would struggle and we, we managed to get out and then go a bit more and we got to a point where we were stuck in the rut. It was pouring with rain and it was mud and our wheels were just spinning and actually we started to slide backwards down the mountain. Not a good thing. Um, so Matt and I, who I was with Matt at the time, we, we got out the car and we had to end up pushing this car up this mountain in the mud through a rut. Uh, eventually we did get it out and the driver, quite sensibly, he carried on and drove all the way to the top. He didn't stop and pick us up. He didn't want to stop in case he couldn't start again. So we then had to walk the rest of the way up this 2,000 meter high mountain. That's twice the height of Snowden, let me tell you. In the mud and in the rain. It was, it was quite a difficult climb. But you know what it's like. You get stuck in the rut. The wheels get in the rut and you can't uh, get out. It's really hard to get out. Here's another definition of rut by dictionary.com as well. A habit or pattern of behavior that has become dull and unproductive, but it's hard to change. The truth is it takes no effort at all to get into a rut, none. You can just be going on happily in your life and you can find yourself in a rut, but it takes a lot of effort to get out. So here's the first truth I want you to know today is that uh, spiritual ruts are common, okay? We should, we should actually make you feel a little bit better if you're in one right now, that they are common. But the second truth is as important, if not more important, it's not good to stay there. We need to do whatever we can to get out of that rut and back into the right relationship with God, into a healthy, in moving forward, being where God wants us to go. So yes, it's common, but we don't want to stay in it. The enemy wants to keep you in a rut because when you're in a rut, you're vulnerable. When you're stuck, when your spiritual life is not what it should be, you're vulnerable. What does uh, Peter say? He says, uh, be alert, be on watch. The enemy, the devil, rose, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Seek, looking for someone to devour. Who's he going to look for? The guy that's moving or the guy that's static with the wheel spinning? Who's more vulnerable? When we're in spiritual ruts, we're vulnerable, and it's really important that we find ways to get out. So, two things that we're going to look at today. Yeah, we've got time. This is great. Uh, first thing I want to do is just go through how do we get into spiritual ruts? What, how do we find ourselves there? We're going to look at that. And then the second thing is we're going to look at how do we get out of a spiritual rut when we find ourselves in there. So, bear with me. Um, there's a pastor called Blake Lindsay in Atlanta, and, and he asked this question, how do we get into spiritual ruts? And he came up with some, some questions or some, some gauges that you can ask yourself uh, to work out how you manage to get in, into the rut. And the first thing that I think gets us into a uh, spiritual rut is neglect. Neglect. And the, and the question that we ask ourselves is, how am I spending my time? How am I spending my time? Because this is the first, course of, first uh, cause of spiritual ruts, is neglect. Is God still your first priority? 
or does he, has he taken a back seat to other things? In terms of the way you spend your time, do you give him a three minutes in the morning and then give Netflix three hours in the evening? Do you spend your daily, you know, do you have a daily Bible reading time? Do you pray? Do you, like my mom suggested last week, a great suggestion that we spend 50 minutes a day praying in tongues. Has anybody done that this week? I've been trying to do that. I've done that a few times. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's a good discipline. And it's one of the things that will keep us, um, keep us on fire. Not listening to worship music maybe like you used to. Maybe you used to have you know, great praise songs on in your car, but now you've switched to Talk FM or something. I don't know. Go back to what you did at first. Not going to church, not going to small group, not meeting up with your Christian friends, neglecting these things will cause you to get into a spiritual rut. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 12 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, we're not talking about, if you're in a spiritual rut, we're not talking about your salvation, all right? Your salvation is assured. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you became saved. And that's there, that doesn't go away. We're not talking about yourself, but we do have to work out our salvation. We do have to do the things necessary, the disciplines to keep that fresh and to keep our relationship with our intimacy with God uh, fresh. And you all know what happens, don't you? It starts with one day, oh, I, I haven't got time to do it today, so I'm just gonna not, I'm not going to read my Bible today. And then it turns into two days, oh, I didn't do it today. And then you kind of feel bad, and so you don't feel like you can pray to God because he knows that you didn't read your Bible today. And, and you shouldn't feel bad, but, but you do. And it goes into a week and then a month, and it can just extend that way, and the rut just gets deeper and deeper. If I neglect my relationship with Fru, my wife, what's going to happen to our intimacy? If I don't spend time with her, which again is a discipline, not a bad discipline, right? Um, it's a good discipline, but you know, I have so many things that happen on a Friday evening that I have to say no to because that's my date night and I protect that at all costs. If I don't do that, I know our intimacy begins to slip and it's an easy thing to do. And likewise with God, if we neglect our relationship with God, we can find ourselves in a rut. The second thing, the second way we get into spiritual ruts is sin. If we're doing the wrong thing, if we're making choices that aren't honoring God. That's sins of commission, things that we are doing that we know we shouldn't do, or sins of omission, things that we're not doing that we know we should do. Sin will separate me from my God. And the question is, am I staying close to Jesus? Am I staying close to him? Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. And that's what sin does. It doesn't say don't give the devil an open door because uh, who was, who's going to give the devil an open door? But we sometimes give him a foothold. We say, if I just do this little thing, it's not going to affect anything, surely. I'm just going to open the door a little bit to this. But that's all he needs is a foothold to get into our life and we find ourselves going deeper and deeper into a spiritual rut. Don't let him get your foot in the door. The third thing that gets us into a spiritual rut is stagnation. Stagnation. The question is, am I growing? Am I growing? That's our gauge that we should be looking at. Am I growing spiritually? Am I moving forward? Because a static spiritual life 
is no spiritual life. God always, like Paul said, I press on towards the goal which God is calling me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We've got to be moving forward in our lives. God has got better. Even if you think your life is, is all there right now, God has got even better things for you and he wants you to move forward in your relationship with him. And stagnation can, can set in. And maybe you're still reading the Bible, but it's become a bit like a chore and you're not getting the stuff you were getting from it before. Um, you're enduring it rather than enjoying it. Nothing seems to have changed, but you find your spiritual life getting stagnant. And, and the problem is, I've, you know, I've, I've been in this place where you're reading your Bible, but it's just not the same as it was. It just feels a little bit stagnant. I don't know if you know the... The river by our house, the River Stour uh, in Longham, uh, at the moment it's all flooded and it's flowing fast and there's loads of water and it's great. But in the summer, when the water levels go down, you end up with these pools where the water doesn't move. And you all know what happens to a pool of water that doesn't move. It gets kind of nasty, doesn't it? It gets all algae in there and it's, uh, it just becomes horrible. It starts to smell. It just becomes stagnant. We need to be moving forward. We need to be growing in our relationship with God, in order to stop stagnation, in order to not get into spiritual ruts. Matthew 15 verse eight said, these people, this is Jesus talking about the Pharisees, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. And we can look like we're doing the right thing. We can say the right things. We can, we can to all intents and purposes, seem like, oh, we're, we're in a great place. But our hearts can be far from him if we are stagnant. So that's how we get into, into this desert, into spiritual ruts. Neglect or sin or stagnation. There may be more, but these are the three I came up with. All right, so then the question is, and the most important question is, how do we get out of spiritual ruts? So if you're in one now, or if you find yourself going into one later on this year or later on in your life, we want to know, how do we, how do we get the wheels back up and moving again? How do we keep the revolution going that we've started the beginning of this year? Well, the answer we're going to find is in that scripture that we looked at in the beginning, that letter to the Ephesian church in Revelation. So God has just said all those good things. You're doing well. You're not growing weary. You are, uh, you're doing good. Uh, um, and then he says, you've lost your way. You've forsaken your first love. And then he tells them how to get out. He says uh, this. Grace, would you? He says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. All right. So there's a few things in there we're going we're gonna to look at. It says consider. This is the word that we unpacked a couple of weeks. I don't know if you remember the word consider. When we say consider, it's a bit of a lightweight word. It's like, oh, ponder, you know, think about it a little bit. But actually, in the original Greek, this is a powerful word. This is put all your attention onto this. Focus on it. Keep thinking about it until you get understanding on it. So keep thinking about how far you have fallen. That's the first thing we want to do is consider how far you have fallen. So what we need to do is identify and acknowledge where we are. If you've ever been to a, a shopping centre, which I'm sure you all have, uh, and you want to find out how to get to uh, a particular shop, you go to the map in the middle of the shopping centre, what's the first thing you look for? You are here. All right, that's the, unless you know where you are, you're not going to know how to get to where you want to get to. So this is the first thing we have to do is consider exactly where you are. You've got to be truthful with yourself and maybe even with your small group. Start to be honest with, like, with each other, with people that you have accountability with and say, yeah, I've fallen a little bit. I'm not going, I'm not exactly where I should be. But we've got to consider where we are 
as a first, as a first instance. Look at the things that are going on in your life. Look at the habits that have crept in. You need to know where the ruts are. Find the best way to go. So consider what are the things in our life that have landed us in the rut we are in. Is there any neglect? Have I been neglecting my spiritual walk? Is there any sin? Have I been doing things that I know I shouldn't be doing? Is there stagnation where just things have been the same old, same old and haven't, uh, haven't changed things up a little bit? Look at the best way to go and then make decisions and choices to get there. So that's the first thing. Consider how far you have fallen. The second thing we want to do is, oops, sorry, repent. We want to repent. We need to surrender to Jesus. We need to take a moment. And this is kind of a personal thing. So the first, when you consider, you can do that with other people, but repent is just you and God. It's surrendering your life to Jesus, saying, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been going the wrong way. I haven't been walking the walk as I should have been. I haven't been walking the journey that you want me to be on. And you mustn't skip this. This is an important thing to do. If we have found ourselves in a, a spiritual rut, it's not because God has gone anywhere. He's exactly where he always was. It's because we have moved away. But the brilliant news is this. Even if I've, if I've moved one step away from him, or two steps, or ten steps, or a thousand steps, or a million steps, it's only ever one step back. It's always one step back. Because like the prodigal son's father, he's standing there looking out for you with open arms, ready to welcome you back. And so repent. And repent is a bit of a, it's a bit of a religious word and it sounds a bit heavy, doesn't it? But it's actually a really beautiful word. It just means I've been going in this direction and I'm going to turn and I'm going to move in this direction. It's turning around and moving in the other direction. It's a great word when we repent. So we need to consider where we are. We need to repent. We need to surrender to Jesus. In Job it says, if you return to the Almighty... You will be restored. You will be restored. So clean up your life. And then the third thing uh, we need to do, it says, uh, do the things you did at first. We've got to do. We've got to take action. So we've got to consider where we are. We need to repent. And then we need to make decisions. We need to make choices that are going to take us to where we want to go. If we've forsaken our first love, we want to get back to making him our first love. Maybe we need to do the things that we did at first, but we need to take action. So... Just uh, to finish, last couple of minutes. If you're in a spiritual rut because of neglect, this is what you can do. If you're in, a, in if you're because of neglect now, or if you find yourself in a spiritual rut later on this year or in your life, get back to your daily routine. Find a find a daily routine where you where you commit to God. Start serving. Serving is a great way to keep you uh, out of spiritual ruts because it keeps your heart humble and God looks favorably on the humble and connect with other brothers and sisters connect with other people go to us go to the midweek group join a group or find people that you can connect with um, get into a circle if you find yourself in a rut because of sin or if you find you if later on if you find yourself getting into a rut because of sin there's no judgment from us there's no judgment here. But just make a decision. Take a moment to repent. 
Start moving in the other direction. Turn to Jesus. Surrender to him and allow yourself to be restored. That's a big one. Allow yourself to be restored. Because when we've been making wrong decisions, we can find it hard to allow ourselves to be restored, to think that we are forgiven. But that's something that we need to learn to do. And lastly, if you're in a spiritual rut or if you find yourself getting to a spiritual rut because of stagnation, then change things up. I have to do this quite regularly with my, with my daily Bible readings. If I, if I do the same one year after year, I'm going to get stagnant. So I try and find different daily Bible readings to do year on year. Do things differently. Maybe start to journal. Start to do your quiet time a little bit different. Find, find a different chair to sit in. You know, Go somewhere else. It can make all the difference in the world to change things up. Don't put up with the status quo. Feel that dissatisfaction. Say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And don't allow yourself to settle. Do whatever it takes to get yourself out of the rut. So let's take this, uh, this revolution, whatever, however this looks like for you individually, whatever this looks like as a church, let's take it and let's keep going. Let's do what Paul did. Let's have the eye of the tiger. Let's press on and let's keep going with this and remember our passage from Philippians being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus Amen Amen